Hello, everybody. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Different Church Podcast, and it is the second episode where we actually have been existing and having real services, and you're going to get to hear um, audio from Hannah's message that we did earlier today at our second ever service. Pretty amazing. Um, I was making fun of myself and just kind of laughing earlier. Uh, whoever decided to launch a church where the second week landed on daylight savings time (laughs) we clearly weren't thinking uh so obviously your first week is going to be big numbers because everybody's excited second week there's going to be people who aren't coming back ever because they were just there to support you for one week uh other people might you know take the week off because the week before was so crazy and then on top of that Add in daylight savings time, add in that most of us are pretty young and we like to go out and have a good time. So sleeping in on a Sunday sounds pretty nice. Also, don't forget we've got this crazy like death plague that everybody's worried about. So we were worried that today was going to be pretty uh, underwhelming compared to last week. And honestly, it was awesome. Like we were just so happy to see everybody there. And not only are the numbers cool, but how enthusiastic everyone is about what we're doing is just so amazing. All the emails and comment cards and conversations that we've had about how what we're doing is something that um, St. Pete in the Bay Area totally needs. It just puts a lot of wind in our sails and it helps us to uh, just, you know, try harder and keep going and be really excited about what's going on. So thank you to everybody who's been involved in any way. Uh, this has been an awesome journey, and I'm so happy to be on it with all of you guys. Um, announcements. I, You know, I don't think I need to do announcements. I'm not sure if I'm going to do this every week or not, but I'm going to go ahead and leave my welcome in at the beginning of the message. And it pretty much has all the announcements in there that you need to hear about. Uh, I will say one of the things that would help us out the most if you're interested in helping us out is um, becoming a regular donor. You can go to um, diff.church or just to differentchurch.com slash give. And uh, from there is where you can sign up to donate. And any donation would be incredible. But the thing that helps us out the most is if you do a recurring monthly gift. Uh, That just kind of helps us figure out what our budget is going to be and helps us pay for um, community projects and um, coffee and helps us pay uh, for the band. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of our biggest need as like a young church. So if there's something you want to do to help us out, that would be incredible. Um, and then any money that we get that comes in, just know that we're, uh, practicing the same thing that we preach. We're just immediately setting aside 10% of it to put right back into the community. And we've got a a decent little chunk of change. I think we've got around $2,000 set aside Um, to use on some sort of community project or charity here in the near future. Uh, Maybe if you've got an idea of a place we could use it, uh, let us know. Uh, Reach out to us on social media. We're uh, Diff Church pretty much everywhere. Um, Or shoot us an email, hello at diffchurch.com. Without further ado's or don'ts, that was silly, (laughs) don't judge me, let's jump into the second ever service for Different Church. I want to talk about Field of Dreams for a second because I'm an old man. Uh, do you remember the, the whole the thing, if you build it, they will come? 
So uh, I was joking with Adam today about putting all the seats out because last week was our grand opening and we had like 100 people. And then week two, of course, you know, you're going to dip plus the, the, the time change and there's some sort of plague out there. And I was just like, Adam, you're being real ambitious with these chairs. Uh, but it was really cool to just see people start streaming in. So thank you for, for being here today. Um, whenever we were planning this months ago, I, we didn't know. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. And same thing with the music. Like, we didn't have anybody, like, in our back pocket, really. And to just trust the process and build it. And then to hear that, like, man, holy crap, that was really good. Um, yeah, yeah, way to go. It's two weeks in a row. The music's been insane. The people that have been here have really blown me away. So... Thank you. Okay, announcements. Uh, welcome, my name is Jarrett. Uh, if you could do me a favor, take your phone out. We've got this really cool web address. It's kind of like our central hub. It's diff.church. And if you go there, you can sign the connection card, which would be huge for us just to get your info so we can keep you up to date on what we're doing. And we really value feedback right now. Uh, let us know what you love. Let us know what you think we could do better. Um, and then we'll personally reach out and be like, you're wrong, we're perfect. Just kidding. You can also put prayer requests on there. Um, we are already working out a, a system where Hannah is praying for everybody daily. We're probably going to put a little team together so there's, you know, we can all be praying for each other. Uh, you can check out the events that we have coming up. The 22nd is our next uh, community project. It's going to be at Reach St. Pete. Uh, it's called Under the Bridge. It's about an hour long. Uh, if you want to go, just go to the website. You can sign up there. Uh, basically, we go out and give some food to people who need some food and pass out clothes and uh, just say hi and be nice. We've done one before already, and we paid for all of the meals on Christmas Eve. So this is a, a organization that we've like kind of started a relationship with, and that's pretty cool. So come on out for that. It's super fun, and it, it doesn't take too long. It's only about an hour. Um, we've also got some diversity trainings coming up. If you're interested in like learning how to treat people the way they want to be treated, come out to those. We've got a 1.0 and a 2.0, um, so you can come. I'm going to be at the 1.0 because I missed the last one, so come hang out with me. If you want to go to the 2.0, you got to go to the 1.0 first. What else is going on? We're going to lunch today. Uh, Bree, what's the name of the place we're going? Okay, and it's the only place that we've been to so far where we need to drive there. It's kind of a long walk, but the good news is it's open like immediately. So as soon as the service is over, um, just go straight there if you don't want to help break down. I'm kidding. You don't have to help break down. <laughs> just go straight there and we're going to hang out and get to know each other a little bit better. And I think that's everything I have for you guys today. Um, Hannah, come on up. Everybody give Hannah a hand. Woo. Everybody give Jared a hand. Yeah, I'll help you with this. stuff. Do you want all that stuff? I just want this. Okay, I'll get the mic. Will I knock everything down while moving it one foot? Probably. <laughs> I am short. Hi, friends. Everybody a little sleepy today? I, my alarm went off, I was not happy. But I've had a large amount of coffee. But y'all know I don't really drink coffee. I drink like this much almond milk and like this much coffee. But it's now, it's in here, and so I'm like a little, it's a good thing I get to be up here and preach because otherwise I'd just be sitting in the back like. So today we get to talk about work. Um, the work we do in our lives, the work we do in our faith, and how to evaluate our lives and faith in relation to that work. And so the passage is from Romans, which I'm just going to read, and then we're going to jump in. And you can follow along on the screen. 
Can everyone see over my head? Do I need to move? What? I'm good. Cool. It's because when I was creating these PowerPoint slides last night at 11 p.m., I tried to bump it up because last week no one could see over my head. So I just want you to know we're progressing and changing. We're going with the times. We're going to get better, okay? So Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. So today we're going to start probably in a weird place for some of you. We're going to start with the doxology. Doxology is... Literally translated, it means glorious saying, but it's basically a practice that almost every single Christian denomination has. You have probably participated in it, even if you are not aware that you've participated in it. So a famous doxology is the Christmas song that's like in Excelsis Deo. That is a doxology. Um, they're a little different depending on, like if you're Catholic, you're probably going to get one in Latin. If you're Orthodox, they have their own. Everybody has their own little tradition. If you get down to my tradition, Pentecostal, Literally, we're just like, praise him, praise him, praise him in the morning, praise him in the noontime. Literally, that's our doxology. We can't think of more words than that. Um, <laughs> so like the higher you get in, lit in liturgy, in church traditions, the more words and the more languages are involved. But there's a very familiar one that probably most of you have heard. It's very popular in evangelical circles. And it, a doxology is basically just a short song of praise to God usually sung corporately. Most people don't sing it by themselves. Um, and it actually stems from a Jewish practice, similarly. So we have this long tradition of doxology. And it's used to mark transitions in services. So sometimes you'll hear it at the beginning of the service to kind of bring everyone together. Sometimes you'll hear it at the end of the service to send everyone out back into their lives. And so I'm gonna put the doxology up on the screen. And by I, I'm going to put it up on the screen. I don't have magic powers. <laughs> Can everyone give a hand to Mike, who has been running the screen for six weeks now and absolutely killing it, even though I don't really give him any cues. I'm not like, next slide. No. So how many of you, these lights are like, I can barely see you. So I'm hoping you're smiling and happy. <laughs> how many of you have seen these lines before? Okay, most of you. So this is a common evangelical doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, you heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we are pretty good with it. Like, everyone's welcome to participate in the doxology. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter your gender identity. It doesn't matter uh, your history or your knowledge. It doesn't matter. Everyone's welcome to participate in the doxology. And we're like, yeah, all blessings flow from our creator. We say it but I wonder if we really think about what it means because, well, I guess all blessings flow from God. God's our creator. 
got it. And we just say it. And then we have created this impression that discipleship has to come before doxology in the real world. Okay? So often our emphasis in church is on what we can do for God, what we can do, what we need to accomplish for God, what we need to provide for God and for the church and for God's people. Like, what can we do? What can we do for God? God needs us, obviously. And we don't usually explicitly say that we're obligated to do this before we can receive God's love, but it's like really internalized in all of us, especially in America. We have to do God's work before we can receive God's love. Of course, that's the way things work. We have to prove that somehow we're good enough, somehow we merit this continued love. Even if we've had maybe an emotional experience or a fixed point in time where faith became a part of your life and we're like, okay, for God so loved the world, I know that verse, God loved me, it's this free gift, cool, I'm gonna accept it. And then like a year later, we're like, okay, but I don't know if I still deserve it because I haven't prayed in a month. I don't know if God could possibly still love me because... It's just a lot. Okay, I've had a lot going on. I haven't read my Bible. I haven't prayed. I haven't participated in a small group. I said I was going to go, and I went one time, and then I got really busy, and um, I feel like I need to do something so that God knows that I'm like actually committed to this and that God will still continue to give me these blessings and still continue to have this two-way street of faith. So we fall into this trap that we have to, on an ongoing basis, somehow deserve or live up to this love that God gives us. And a practical example of this is, have you ever prayed a prayer that begins like this? Dear God, it's been a while. (laughs) Dear God, let me explain to you all of the reasons. I know I haven't talked to you in a while, but I mean, I still need you to listen to me. So I I don't want to treat you like you're a vending machine. Okay, that's not what I'm doing, but I am asking for something right now. So um, it was just been really hard, okay? And I just need you to listen to me. I know you're... You might not because I have not been paying any attention to you, but maybe if you could just this one time listen to me, then I promise to do something, which I'm sure I prayed that prayer like a million times as a teenager about completely unimportant things. I was like, God, if you just let whatever this is happen, then I promise I will never do this thing again. I mean, that never worked. So this message that we have, it coincides with a very strong social message that is internalized in us from the times we were born, especially in our culture. You work for what you get. You don't work, you don't eat, right? This is universal. It's certainly not limited to the United States, but it's especially strong in our like individualistic, competitive society. Over and over again, we're told you have to work for what you want. Now, if you're older, perhaps this phrase was meaningful to you. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. If you're younger, we've just taken that and translated into cool words like hustle, rise and grind, stop wishing and start doing. And we post them on Instagram. We're like, yeah, we got to work harder, faster, longer. And it comes along this belief that if we just work hard enough, we're going to achieve whatever it is, greatness, financial stability, um, significance, belonging, whatever it is that we're working for, if we, whatever we feel like is missing in our life or in our soul or in our relationships, like if I just work harder, it will appear, right? Especially in America, we tend to have a messed up definition of what success is. And if we're not producing, we can feel worthless. And I have conversations about this topic all the time. 
And I would say in like most of my serious conversations, at least half of the time, this comes up. If these themes, if I'm not producing, I am not valuable. If I'm not producing something that shows what I can do, then I'm not worthy. If I'm not succeeding, then what is required is just more hard work. I gotta work nights, I gotta work weekends, I gotta check my phone the second I wake up in the morning because someone might desperately need me for some reason. I need to stay up late, I need to finish this project, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Or we say things like this, if it was really important to me, I would find the time. If I feel panicky, if I feel overwhelmed, if I feel stressed out, if I'm drowning in obligations, well, I just need to keep going. Work harder. Get better at time management. Schedule every minute of every day down to the last possible second from the time I wake up until the time I go to sleep. And then when I get home and I'm exhausted and I watch Netflix for three hours until it says, are you still watching? And shames me because my brain has literally melted out of my ears and I am not capable of rational thought. I'm like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do better tomorrow. <laughs> Never mind that tomorrow when I wake up, everything will still be there and I'll still have the guilt of not fixing it yesterday. Being an adult in America is like essentially saying, uh, but after next week, things will slow down until you die. And on a personal note, in case you feel attacked, like I'm attacking you right now, this is something I struggle with as well. Um, I never feel like I'm doing enough, ever. Um, I never feel like I'm working hard enough. I never feel like I'm doing my best. Even if I put something out that's like, that was great. Instantly I'm like, but was it my best? Could I have done better? Let's analyze it for seven hours. Even in college, like I would get good grades, like I'd get an A on a paper, and then instantly I'd be like, but was it my best though? I don't know if it was my best. I don't feel like I put enough effort forward, like it could have been even better. An A is not good enough. What's above an A? Literally nothing, okay? <sighs> my best was this ever-elusive thing that I could never get to. And this idea of working longer and faster and harder and just going and going and going, it's ingrained in me. It was, I literally was born into it. It's ingrained in most of us. And we can see this when we, we meet new people. We don't say, what do you like to do? We say, what do you do? Not who are you, not what brings you joy, not tell me about your family. What do you do? And in some other countries, they don't ask this. And actually, I had an interaction recently with someone who was from a different place. And he said, who are you? And I literally was like, I don't, why don't you ask me that? I don't know how to answer that question. What do you mean, who am I? I like long walks on the beach and Aquafina and red roses. And how am I supposed to answer this? Is this like a dating profile question? Like, what am I supposed to do? I work at a law firm and I'm a pastor. Like, you just ask me what I do and I ask you what you do. And this is a social contract. You're ruining my life. <laughs> All of that was in my head. I was just like, oh, uh, no one's asked me that ever before. <laughs> so I have been told various times in my life by various people for my whole life that I am lazy. Now, it is true that I greatly enjoy doing nothing. Uh, my husband will tell you, he's in the back, I can literally sit and stare at a wall and think about nothing. Um, I love naps, love them. I love days where I don't actually have to talk to anybody. I love sitting at home and watching TV for like an entire season in a day. I love it. 
I love crocheting all day long and not having any human interaction whatsoever. Uh, my state of being is generally like an object at rest will stay at rest. <sighs> That's pretty much my life. A Hannah at rest will stay at rest. And if you make her move, she will be grumpy. <laughs> Most of the time, my husband's like, you want to go for a walk? And I'm like, you do you. I'm just going to stay here in my cocoon, in my cone of silence. So because I like doing nothing, it has taken me a really long time, like my entire life, to realize I am not actually lazy at all. Sure, sometimes I need to get off my butt and do some stuff, but most of the time I actually work really hard, like hard to the point of being exhausted. And the problem is not that I'm lazy. The problem is that in our culture, we have this expectation and it's never enough. It doesn't matter what you do. People, like, we can see this in people who are just like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I just want to have a family and be around people that I love. And we're like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't want to be stressed out and working 80 hours a week like the rest of us? How dare you? How dare you have small goals of happiness? We have to have it all. We have to have this job that fulfills us. How's that working out? What, like 2% of people probably have that? We want to have a family that just no problems ever. It's just magical and beautiful and wonderful. We want to have a house. We want to have good mental health. We want to have good physical health. We want wonderful hobbies. We want to have the best vacations. When we go on vacation, we get back, people don't ask, did you have a restful time? They're like, what'd you do? Did you go to the theme park? Did you were you literally there for 12 hours from when it opened until it closed? Did you get the fast pass? Did you also eat so much that your brain literally exploded from the sugar? And then you tried to drown it in like coffee and alcohol and then it's, are, if you're not exhausted when you come back from vacation, are you even doing it right? If you don't need a vacation from your vacation, it's never enough. What we do is never enough. And please don't misunderstand me because I know there's some people in the audience right now that's freaking out. And you're just like, if we lived like that, nothing would ever get done. Nothing would ever get done. What? That's completely impossible. I am not saying there's something wrong with hard work, okay? Hard work is a good thing. Hard work can fulfill us. Hard work can get up, give us purpose. We can do things that matter. We can do things that change the world. We can do things that change ourselves. Um, there's a whole other sermon to be preached on, a theology of work. We're not doing that today. But when we think about the fact that it's never enough and how this fits into our faith, it's a problem. The problem is when we bring this understanding of it never being enough and it never being our best to faith, it changes how we approach God. So verses four and five of the passage I read said, when people work, their wages are not a gift. Can I get an amen? but something they have earned, yes. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God. Everyone knows your salary at work is not a gift, right? Your boss is not like, if you stay home for a week, I will still pay you. I'm not gonna show up to my job unless they pay me. I didn't like, as a child, I wasn't like, you know what I would love? To be a legal assistant in a law firm and have people just stressed out, yelling at me all day long. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. Of course I'm not going to show up unless they pay me. It's not a gift. I earned that money. Those medium bucks. 
but we actually don't deserve God's love. And by that, I do not mean that we are horrible, terrible, messed up people. Sometimes we are horrible and terrible and messed up. What I mean is we can never work hard enough to deserve it. There will never be a point in your life as a person of faith where you're like, okay, I am a good Christian. Not a bad one, I'm a good one. There will never be a point where you know whether you are a good person or a bad person. There's never this thing that you can't reach. Yes, how we treat each other matters. How we live matters. What we have done, what we will do, who we are, it all matters deeply. But we can tend to that, all of those things, whether they're wonderful or terrible, without boiling down our worth to good or bad, enough or not enough. And when we have faith, we're joining this long line of people that stretches all the way back to Abraham. People who had faith in God and were counted as righteous. Now, righteous is a church word, and usually when people say it, it means something like living in a right relationship with God and other people. But Paul, who is the writer of Romans, um, he uses it in a much larger sense. And I feel like we've missed the big picture in Paul. Usually when we talk about righteous, we're like right living. First of all, who gets to decide what's right living and what's not? Um, Righteousness is not what you do. Righteousness is who you are. It is who you are because it is what God says about you. In verse 5, when it says people are counted as righteous, that is, Paul is essentially saying, God has declared that you belong here in God's family. Not because of anything you've done or haven't done. Not because of how hard you've worked or haven't worked. Not because you feel like you deserve it or because you feel like you don't. But because God has already declared that you belong All you have to do is have a little faith and believe it. And faith is just a willingness to trust God. Or in some circumstances, that can feel like too much. So it could be a willingness to even try to trust God. Verse 17 says, Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. So can we have a willingness to try to trust that kind of God? Can we attempt to believe that where there is nothing in our lives, where there's nothing in our families, where there's nothing in our mental health, where there's nothing in our job, where anywhere there's a void, that God can create something new there? Can we trust that when God says, you belong in my family, that it's not something we have to prove? It's just a fact that is true about us, no matter what happens. And I'm not sure who needs to hear this today. I was trying to, maybe I need to hear it. (laughs) Maybe we all need to hear it. Your worth is not based on your production value. I feel like I need to say that again. Your worth is not based on your production value. You are already valuable. You are already enough. More than enough. You already belong. You don't have to prove you belong. This is a space for you and me and us together and faith and God. If your first instinct is to fight me on this, 
then you need to hear me. If your first instinct is like, mm, I don't know, yeah, nothing will get done, I'm not valuable enough, and that's generally not how it comes across in our minds. We're instantly, we're not usually like when someone says, you're great, we're not like, you're right, thank you. Thank you for noticing my amazingness. <laughs> but we, need, we don't usually say, no, I'm not. We're not like that forward about it. We're like, someone could be like, you're valuable and you're enough and you belong here. And we're like, uh-huh. thanks. I don't know about that. I mean, okay, I'm okay. That's what we generally, I'm, it's fine. Take a breath. Shake it out. Write it on a postcard if you have to. My husband wrote me a little note. He didn't know I was going to tell this story today. <laughs> it was before our grand opening. Maybe it was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He wrote, he got me um, some candy or something because my love language is snacks. And he wrote a little note on it that said, keep being you. It's, you're more than enough. And so I have it stuck on my jewelry box and I look at it frequently because... I need that reminder because instantly my brain is always like, no, you're not. (laughs) You did not accomplish this and this and this and this, and you definitely didn't follow through on that obligation, and you weren't even very nice to that person, and you have not done all of the things on your list, and on top of all that, your brain is destroying itself, (laughs) and you still have anxiety, and you definitely don't have a handle on that all the time, and so how could this possibly be true? You're more than enough. You already belong here. This is not something you have to prove. So take a breath. You belong in this faith community. You belong in the family of God. God said so. If anyone can say so, it's definitely God. Like, who are we to be like, I don't know, I think God got it wrong. Like, God, you certainly can't possibly have meant what you said about me. Have you met me? And God's like, uh, yes. (laughs) Literally, I have met you before. Before you were you, I met you. I know what I'm talking about. So if anyone is struggling with this concept and you just need a little reinforcement throughout the week and you have Instagram, I highly recommend that you follow the Instagram account, The Nap Ministry. It is an Instagram account that's literally dedicated to the fact that taking naps is an active resistance against the production mindset of our culture. So when we think about that, Gianna's going to come and we're going to sing two more songs and then I'll come back and give you a benediction. And I just invite you to kind of reflect on that as she sings and then we close together. Where in my life do I feel like I am not enough? Where in my life do I feel like I always need to work harder? And then replace that with God says I already belong. And that's just a fact that is true about me whether I feel like it or not. It's something that is true about my heart. It's something that's true about my soul. I belong here and I am valued in God's family.